You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church Audio Podcast. Well, this morning we want to continue on in this series. Uh, we've been talking about legacy, uh, living our lives to influence generations. So we don't want to just live our lives in this time frame that we have, but we really want to invest our lives in such a way that it impacts children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, generations following after you. So if you'd grab your sermon notes there this morning, um, we have one verse for our text. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 21, uh, and I've actually put the verse there in the sermon notes for you. But you might want to locate 2 Chronicles chapter 21 because we're looking at a broader story, a bigger story that I want to talk with you a little bit about this morning as we, t- as we continue talking about legacy and the investment of our lives. But while you're getting your sermon notes out, this week I was doing some work online looking at some legacy websites and, and came across uh, some personal ads posted by senior citizens. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but youngsters are not the only one that post personal ads. I thought that was interesting. It kind of caught me off guard. I thought senior citizens posting personal ads, what, looking for traveling companions. And as I was reading this list, I thought, man, this is hilarious. I mean, this is real stuff. These are people, individuals who have retired into Florida, where a lot of folks go to retire, and uh, they're looking for someone to share life with. And so they put these personal ads, and I'm not making any of this up. It it really as stated. So let me just read a couple of these, because I thought they were hilarious. Uh, Here's the first one. Male, 1922 model. (laughs) High mileage, good condition, some hair, many new parts, including hip, knee, cornea, and valves. (laughs) Isn't in running condition, but walks well. (laughs) Wow, what a... Here's a lady. A lady posted this. I don't know if she's going to get much response, but this is what she posted. Recent widow who's just buried fourth husband looking for someone to round out a six-unit plot. (laughs) Dizziness, fainting, shortness of breath, not a problem. Here was another. It was so good. I'm into solitude. Long walks. Sunrise, the ocean, yoga, and meditation. If you're the silent type, let's get together, take out our hearing aids, and enjoy some quiet times together. (laughs) But this was my favorite. A gentleman wrote, I still like to rock, still like to cruise in my Camaro on Saturday nights, and I still like to play the guitar. If you were a groovy chick or now a groovy hen, let's get together and listen to some of my eight tracks. <laughs> well, there's no need to sit around and like wait to die, is there? Whatever, whatever you are granted, man, you want to live those years out to the fullest. What we don't want to do is just like live and die. And one of these days we're all going to die, but we must understand that God has granted us life on this earth for a purpose. He's given you gifts, abilities, um, resources, so that you would be able to use those to make a difference with your life. And God expects us to invest our lives. He expects us, if you're wondering, He expects us 
to leave a legacy. And legacy is really all about living forward, investing well, and finishing well. What you don't want to do, hear me friends, what you don't want to do is come to the end of your life and have regrets. You don't want to come to the end of your life and say, well, I wish I would have. No, what? we don't want to do that. We want to live life to leave a legacy. Matter of fact, I want you to watch this, this short video clip that's about regrets and about life maybe not live well. Watch this video clip. to things. It's something I've always wanted to do since I was little. Time slipping away, I mean, that's probably the worst feeling in the world, right? friends from different walks of life and it's really hard to keep in touch with everyone. Up until recently I was homeless. If I hadn't hurt the people that I had maybe I wouldn't have been. I wanted to do so many things but I can never seem to find the time. I did all the things that were like plan B. I just never did it. Every day is a clean slate to live your life without regret. Have you noticed most of the things that were written on the board there in in New York City is regrets about words not spoken, dreams not pursued, action not taken. 
regret about not living a life well, not living to, to leave a legacy. And I think, it's, I think that's why it's so important that we talk about legacy, about the life you're living and about what that looks like. You know, oftentimes people don't want to talk about legacy because they think legacy is connected to death. And legacy is really not about death, but it is about death. And I think it's healthy for us to think about death, though most of us try to avoid that thought, because thinking about death informs life. And I do, in my role, I I do a lot of funerals. I stand on platforms like this, and I talk about God, and I talk about people's lives. And every time I do a funeral, it informs me of life. Every time I do a funeral for someone else, it makes me think about my own life. And how I'm living my life. What death informs life. Thinking about death can help us say, wow, what do I want to do so that I don't come to the end of my life and have regrets? Because I don't want to live life with regrets. I want to live my life to leave a legacy. And I, and I believe you do too. So how do we do that? A couple things we said last week that I want to just say again this week. Because I know a lot of you were not here. So just a quick review about what we said last week as we laid the foundation for this series. First of all, we said legacy is not just about for it's not just about information for folks who are about to kick the bucket. It's not just about for those who are dying. Legacy is really about for all of us. Legacy is about every generation. Matter of fact, I, I would say it's never too early to begin building your legacy. Matter of fact, the earlier you start, the stronger your legacy will be. Why? Because you were thinking about life and what's valuable and how to invest your life forward. So it's never, it's never too early to think about legacy. This is not just about the older generation. Secondly, and we're going to build on this this morning, but we said there's three points of action to build a lasting legacy. We said first you want to love God passionately. It would be the pursuit of your life. Secondly, we said you need to serve others freely, unselfishly. And then the, the fourth, the, excuse me, the third thing we said, the second thing was... Um, serve others freely. Then the third thing was start small and be consistent. Just be consistent. Be consistent over the long haul. And as you do these three things, you're living your life to make a difference. You're expanding your influence while you're positively impacting others and, and you're building a lasting legacy. And again, it's really important that we, we think about our lives, we think about our legacy because here's reality. We don't get to do it over again. Matter of fact, John Ortberg says it so well. I put the quote there in your notes this morning. He said, the problem with life is that life has no rewind button. No rewind. So we can't push the button and say, okay, I want to do this over again because there's not like a, a rewind. Every day, every second carries with it its own finality. Time is our one indisputably non-renewable resource. I mean, at the end of every day, one more box on the calendar has been shifted from the future column to the past problem, from possibility to history. And all of its moments can be remembered, they can be celebrated or regretted, but listen, they can never be retrieved. Again, life does not have a rewind button. So we've got we to gotta seek to get it right the first time. So what you want to learn from your mistakes, you want to make adjustments what, so that you can, you can finish well. And I think one, one of the keys, one of the keys to leaving a legacy, one of the keys to finishing well is simply this. Just identify what is most significant in your life and then build your life around that. Or let me say it like this. Identify what matters most in your life and then build your life around that. So think about that for a minute. What matters most in your life? 
Probably not houses, cars, or 401Ks. What matters most in your life today, if I could sit down and talk with you, most, most everyone in the room today, it would somehow be connected to people in relationships. Want to leave a lasting legacy? Identify what matters most in your life. And then be, allow that to begin to shape your schedule, your planning, your priorities, your values. Let it begin to shape the life that you're living. Because listen, the day's coming when all our 401ks and our bank statements will be irrelevant. The titles on our resumes will no longer impress anyone. GPAs and SAT scores and college acceptances will be long forgotten. No one will know or care what, what clothes hung in your closet. Nobody's going to give a rip. And one day, it, what, it just really won't matter. What really matters is the investments we've made with God and the investment, investments we've made with others. It's, it's this that lives on. There was an author who wrote, I love the way he says this. He says, you can fight old men, wrinkle all you want. You can lavish time and money on the outer you. You can exercise it, starve it, Botox it, Rogaine it, stretch it, lift it, nip it, tuck it, tan it, dress it up at Neiman Marcus, and one day it'll just be very expensive worm food. <laughs> it's true. It really is. I mean, that kind of brings perspective to life, doesn't it? Let me, this is kind of a little side note here, but I think it's important. Let me quickly give you three facts of life. And you know these, but I just want to remind you of these three facts of life. The first is this, life is short and it passes really fast. Life is short and it passes really fast. I'm 50 years old right now, and I don't know how I got here. (laughs) I I really don't. And I'm sure you're probably the same. Whatever your age would be, you would say, wow, I don't know how I got this old. Where where did the years go? And this is what I know. I'm going to turn around twice and I'm going to be 70. Life is short and time passes really fast. But we want to spend it well. Here's a second fact of life. Death is unavoidable. You've heard me say this before, but I'll tell you again, the stats are in. It's pretty amazing. 100% of people die. (laughs) Death is unavoidable. I mean, just this morning, one of our Grace Covenant family members passed away in between services. I've talked with the daughter and prayed with her. I've talked with the wife and prayed with her. and Beginning together with the family to plan a funeral. Why? Death happens. It's unavoidable. It is reality. <laughs> Matter of fact, physician Bernie Siegel wrote the following. He says, I've done the research, and I hate to tell you, but everybody dies. Lovers, joggers, vegetarians, and non-smokers. I'm telling you this so that some of you who jog at 5 a.m. in the morning and eat vegetables will occasionally sleep late and eat an ice cream cone. <laughs> but the fact is, if Jesus doesn't come back, every one of us are going to have to deal with death. Listen, Death is un- it's unavoidable. So life is short. Death is unavoidable. The third fact you need to know is that finish, to finish well, you have to invest well. It's impossible to finish well without making investments in the lives of others along the way. Listen, this life, this life that you're living is really not about gathering, it's forgiving. The life you're living is not about gathering, it's forgiving. Here's the challenge. Everything about our culture today says that this life is all about gathering. 
getting more and more and more. I'm telling you, if you think this life is about gathering, you're going to totally miss it. You're going to come to the end of your life and you're going to have a ton of regrets. Because it's not about gathering. It really is. This life is about giving. So to finish well, we have to invest well. Because again, what you don't want to do is you don't want to come to the end of your life and have regrets. This morning, we want to look at a man who did just that. Actually, we want to look at back into history at um, a bad example. How many know we can learn from a bad example as well as a good example? If we're wise, we can learn from a bad example to say, hey, I, whoo, I don't want to do any of that. I see that happen. I don't think I want to go down that road. I, well, we can learn from a bad example as well as a good example. Well, this morning, we want to look at a king in the nation of Israel who was totally consumed with himself. He, he didn't live well. He didn't finish well. As a matter of fact, there's one verse, one verse that summarizes his miserable life. It's found in 2 Chronicles 21, verse 20. And it reads like this. It's there in your notes. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He passed away to no one's regret and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the king. Can you imagine having an epitaph like that? He passed away to no one's regret. I mean, that, that would be a horrible line to have on your tombstone, don't you think? Feral lemmings. He passed away to no one's regret. That would be horrible. Yet, that is the defining statement of King Jehoram's life. I mean, here was a man who had power. He had position. He had resources. Yet he wasted his life, and when he came to the end of his life, no one gave a rip. When he came to the end of his life, no one wanted to go to his funeral. No one cared. Actually, they thought, well, good riddance, he's gone. I mean, what a, what a sad statement of an individual's life. And rather than leaving a strong legacy, all the people of Israel were just glad to see him gone. So, so what can we learn? What can we learn about legacy and finishing well from the bad example of King Jehoram? I, I think there's basically three things that cause King Jehoram to waste it all and to end up like finishing really poorly, not leaving a legacy. The, the first is this. King Jehoram turned away from God. He turned away from God. If you look back to his story, the whole of his story is in Second Chronicles 21. And in verse 6 says this about King Jehoram. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And verse 10 says that, that Libna, which, which was a country, Libna revolted at the same time because Jehoram had forsaken the Lord, the God of his fathers. So as a result of, of rebelling against God and rejecting God, Jehoram experienced the wrath of God. Not only did he experience the wrath of God, but the whole nation of Israel experienced the wrath of God. Why? Because Jehoram turned away from God. And he brought horrible things into his life. Man, I, I chose not to read the whole story because the whole story is pretty gory, actually. I mean, if you read the whole story, and I would encourage you, don't do it until after lunch because this is like one of the R-rated passages of Scripture because it talks about his bowels coming out of his body. For real. It's there. Check it out. You can read it. You're saying, oh, you're, you're fooling me. No, I'm not fooling you. But he, he rejected God. He turned away from God. And as a result of that, the wrath of God came in his life. 
And he died a miserable, horrible death. Why? He rejected God. Listen, you cannot, hear me friends, you cannot, you absolutely cannot finish well and leave a great legacy if God's not part of the plan. You can't rebel against God. You can't reject God and say, hey, God, I'm I'm just going to go do my own thing. Leave me alone. You can't do that and finish well. I mean, that's the first thing we we learn from, from King Jehoram. Here's the second mistake that he made that I really believe set him up for like a horrible life is he was consumed with selfish pursuit. Matter of fact, he was so consumed with protecting his kingdom and making sure that no one would take his position that he had all of his brothers killed. He just lined them up and said, kill them all. All of his brothers and some of the princes of Israel, he had them murdered. How many of you know if you're dead, you can't be a threat to someone's kingdom? He said, just kill them all. I mean, this man was ruthless. And it was all about, it was all about him. He was living for himself. He was consumed with himself. He, he wanted it all for himself. Therefore, he had his hope. Like all of his siblings, lives taken, annihilated. He was, he was self-consumed. He was consumed with selfish pursuit. Therefore, he, he lived a horrible life. He died a, a horrible death. Listen, leaving a strong legacy. This is what we learned from Joram. Leaving a strong legacy is all about others. I mean, if you think about individuals who were part of your life, who now have gone on, they've died, and you would say, wow, this individual, this woman or this man, they left a great legacy. Although I don't know who they would be, this is what I can tell you about their life. There was one quality, at least one quality, it was this. They were more concerned about others than themselves. That's how, that's how they invested in your life. That's why they invested in your life. That's why they left a great legacy. What they were thinking about others. And we're going to leave a legacy. We can't be consumed with self. That's where I think one of the ways that King Jehoram missed it, he was just got consumed with selfish pursuit. Here's the third mistake that King Jehoram made that brought him like to a horrible finish in his life. He used his influence to lead Israel away from God. He used his influence in a wrong way. In Second Chronicles 20, verse 11, the scripture says that, He had also built high places in the hills of Judah and caused the people of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves. And he led Judah astray. So rather than using his influence, because he is the king, rather than using his influence to lead people to God, he actually built all of these places of idol worship and caused the children of Israel to go into spiritual adultery, idolatry, and the worship of these, of these false gods that he set up. So what he wrongly used his influence to lead people away from God. And he what, had this horrible death, and he, and he died to no one's regret. Listen, every one of us, every one of us have a circle of influence. You may not be a king, you may not be a queen, and have kingly influence or queenly influence, but every one of us have influence. I mean, think with me about your, your probably your, your closest circle of influence would be your family, right? Right? That's, you have a place of influence. You have a voice, that's influence. You have a voice into your family. And then there's a little larger circle of influence that would be your workplace. You have influence in your workplace. And then there's a little larger circle of influence that would be your neighborhood, your community, where you live, what you have influence. Then depending on how you're networked, you would have maybe even broader circles of influence. This is what I know. We all have influence. 
Maybe you have a smaller circle of influence. Maybe you have a larger circle of influence. But we all have influence. Here's the question I have for you. How are you using your influence? Are you using your influence to point people toward God? Or are you using your influence to take people away from God? If you want to leave a, a great spiritual legacy, then use your influence. And you might say, well, you know, Pharaoh, my influence is pretty small. Listen, whatever it is, God's going to hold you responsible for your circle of influence. I want to leave a great legacy. Well, you want, to, you want to point people toward God. But as we look to this bad example of King Jehoram, we have a man who, who lived a miserable life. He died a, 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 a horrible death, all because of the choices he made. And then we have what I believe is the saddest line in all of, all of the Bible. I, you don't have to believe what I believe, but I, I actually think this is like the saddest line in all of Scripture. And it's this, he died to no one's regret. What a horrible statement about, about someone's life. He died and, and no one cared. He died and no one went to his funeral. And I think King Jehoram is a good example of what we don't want to do and how we don't want to live. If we want to leave a great legacy. I mean, leaving a legacy, it's all about living well in the present. So the influence of your life lives on after you're gone. It's about living in the present, but impacting the future. So let me leave you this morning with with some insights. Again, building on what we said last week, let me leave you with some insights as to how you can leave a lasting legacy. Five statements really quick. Here they are. The first is this. You want to leave a lasting legacy, you need to pass on the faith and values that bring true success. Pass on faith and values that bring true success. True success. You know, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, the Scripture says this, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not turn from it. Train up, raise up, invest in. How many of you are here today are, are parents or grandparents? Parents or grandparents? A lot of you. You know, as parents and grandparents, we wish there was a guarantee, don't we? Don't we wish that, that there was a guarantee? Like, if you do A and you do B, then you're always going to get C. Wouldn't we all like that guarantee? Like, A and B, you're always going to get C. And, and so I'm here to tell you today that, that there's really no guarantees that that's, that's going to happen. Uh, but what I can guarantee you will happen then is if you don't pass on faith and values to your children and grandchildren, you're setting them up for failure. If you pass on faith and values, it doesn't mean that they're not going to turn away from God, that they're not going to choose their own way, go their own way. But what you've done is you've given them a foundation in their lives that they can come back to. You've given them an anchor to. Because here's the tendency from time to time, our children and our grandchildren go prodigal. It's true. But if you've trained them up, if you've given them that faith and values, then they always have that as the foundation. So again, there's no guarantees. I wish I could say, man, has a guarantee. And the guarantee is if you do this and this, you're going to get this. The only thing I can guarantee you is if you don't pass on faith and value, you're really bankrupting your children and grandchildren. You're bankrupting future generations. So you want to leave a lasting legacy, then, then pass on faith and values that bring true success. It was interesting in this story of, of King Jehoram, and this is a bit subjective on my part. So again, you don't have to agree with me or believe what I believe. But if you look at the story, 
King Jehoram's dad's name was Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. So King Jehoshaphat passes the kingdom down to his eldest son, his oldest son, which was King Jehoram. Now it's interesting, Second Chronicles chapter 20 says this of King Jehoshaphat, that he was a godly man who followed after the ways of the Lord. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? King Jehoshaphat, he's applauded, godly man who followed after the ways of his Lord, ways of the Lord. But, but his son was like totally rebelled against that. And I don't know this because the scripture really doesn't say, but I wonder if King Jehoshaphat was so busy being a king and so busy taking care of all the things that kings do and so busy gathering goods and, and kind of like facilitating life. I wonder if he was so busy that he didn't have time to pace, pass on faith and values to his son. Therefore, Jehoram lived a horrible life and died a horrible death. I don't know about that, but it makes me wonder. Possibly was there something missing in the passing of generation. So you want to leave a lasting legacy, I would encourage you, pass on faith and values that bring true success. Here's a second way that, that we can live life with no regrets and leave a lasting legacy. It's by using God's Word as our roadmap. Using God's Word as a roadmap. And I know I, I talk about this quite often, and, and let me tell you why I talk about it so often, because I think it's critical to just about everything in your life. God's Word. I, I think it's critical. I think it's foundational. I think like if you're avoiding, if you're neglecting, if you're trying to make it without God's Word, then you're missing a key component to what needs to be happening in your life for ongoing growth and development. And to leave a legacy. Matter of fact, I want you to I want you to read this passage of Scripture with me. In Psalm chapter 1, the book of Psalms begins like this. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. It's on the screen. Let's read this together. Would you read it with me? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Notice this is a conditional promise. This is for individuals who choose to meditate on God's Word. Now, if you choose not to meditate on God's Word, then this verse is not for you. Are we okay with that? Yes. So you find it's, it's a conditional promise. For those who, who uh, focus on, meditate on, take delight in the law of the Lord, notice what he says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. In other words, they're vibrant and strong, planted by streams of water. It goes on to say that they bear fruit in season. In other words, they're fruitful and productive in their lives. It goes on to say their leaf does not wither. In times of stress and seasons of hardship, what, they thrive, they're not, they're not withering, what, there's, there's life. And then it goes on to say whatever they whatever they do it prospers why because God's word is the guide listen there's everything that you need to leave a great legacy defined in this book it's, it's all here you want to know you want to know about legacy you want to know about how to leave a great legacy you want to know about how to live a life that impacts generations to follow it's all here and according to what we just saw on the screen, what we just read together, it's the following of this that sets us up 
to be effective and successful and to prosper and to leave a legacy in our lives. Listen, the God who created us has given us this manual. If you can think of it like that, you hear me say this often. This is an owner's manual. A manual as to how we can live well, invest well, finish well, and leave a legacy. It's in the book. Want to leave a lasting legacy? I, I just encourage you, use God's Word as your roadmap. Here's a third way that we can live life with no regrets and leave a lasting legacy. It's to major in relationships, not in gathering stuff. Major in relationships, not in gathering stuff. How many would agree with me that stuff makes life fun? Okay. Listen, it's okay to be holy and human. Okay. Some of you are afraid to raise your hand like you're going to zing me if I raise my hand. No. Stuff makes life fun. Listen, I have stuff, you have stuff, we all have stuff, right? I mean, we have houses and we have cars and we have boats and we have guns and we have golf clubs and we have fishing poles and we have fishing cookers and we could just go on and on. I I got lots of stuff. You got stuff. And can I tell you this morning, there's nothing wrong with stuff. I think God wants us to enjoy our stuff. I think he blesses us with stuff so that we can enjoy stuff. But this is what you don't want to do. You don't want to worship stuff or you don't want to be consumed by stuff. You don't want the pursuit of your life to be things that are temporary, that's going to rot, corrode, and pass away with time. Don't you dare build your life around stuff. Because it's all, it, it's, it's all temporary. Matter of fact, Solomon, the richest man who ever lived, Solomon, wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 15. He says, Naked a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that, that he can carry in his hand. Let me just summarize that verse for you. Basically, Solomon says this, You, you came to the world naked, with nothing. And you're going to leave this world naked with nothing. Now, don't get all stressed. We're going to dress you up in the coffin. We won't let everybody see your nakedness. But you're going to leave basically with the clothes that you have on and nothing else. Why? Because it's all temporary stuff. Earlier I said the key, the key to legacy is this, identifying what matters most and build your life around it. Identify what matters most. Let me tell you what matters most. Relationships. Life that we enjoy. Life that we share. Grandparents to their grandchildren. Parents to their children. Friendships. Church relationships. It's this that makes life worth living. You know, because of my role, because of my line of work, I find myself often at the bedside of individuals who are in their last days. For some last hours, I've even been at the bedside when individuals have taken their last breath. So I've been at the bedsides of a lot of people at the last stage, last season of their life, and not once, listen, not one time have I ever had anyone say, Oh, Farrell, I wish I could just work one more day so I could get some more stuff. You never hear that. What do I, this is what I always hear. I hear about 
relationships, about people, about love shared, about life shared, all about relationships. Listen, you want to you finish well, you want to leave a lasting legacy, major in relationships, not in gathering stuff. Here's a fourth way that you can live life with no regrets and, and leave a legacy. It's this, be a risk taker, not a play it safer. A risk taker, not play it safer. Listen, for some of you, God's placed great dreams in you, and you've been sitting on the sidelines watching life happen. For some of you, God's given great ability and you've just kind of been sitting back, just kind of watching everybody else in the game. You've been playing it safe and it's time to get off the, get off the bench and get into the game. It's time to, to act in faith. It's time to step out and be courageous. Listen, you don't want to come to the end of your life and say, oh, I wish I would have done that. Or I wish I would have had that conversation. Or I wish I would have acted on that dream. Or I wish I would have taken advantage of that opportunity. You don't want to come to the end of your life and say, I wish that would have happened. Listen, be a risk taker. Don't be a play it safer. Interesting study done several years back. There was a sociological study done. And in this study, they interviewed 50 different people who were 95 years of age or older. So 50 people who had experienced 95 years of life or more. And they asked them this question, this select group, this study group. They said, if you could do it all over again, if you could live life all over again, what would you do? What would you change? And it was interesting, a lot of answers came back, but there were three statements that continued to be stated again and again and again. It was three things. So again... 50 individuals, 95 years of age or older, said this, if I could do it all over again, I would reflect more. If I could do it all over again, I would risk more. And if I could do it all over again, I would do more things that would live on after my time on earth. Specifically, those last two statements are all about legacy. I would risk more, and I would do more things that would live on after my life. Again, you, you don't want to come to the end of your life and just say, whoa, I've, I, so many regrets. So how do you avoid that? Be willing to step out in faith. Man, live courageous. Listen, this is what I, I live every day with this conviction for myself, and I believe it for you as well, is that God is great and he's placed greatness within you. It's, listen, it is latent within you. God didn't make a mistake. He has placed greatness in you. But as long as you have this attitude, this mentality, oh, I'm just going to play it safe, you'll miss it. And you'll go to your grave with a lot of stuff in you that you should have deposited in your family, in your friends, in this world. And we'll miss it because you chose to play it safe. Don't do that. One of my favorite stories in the Bible's Mark chapter 2, and it's about some risk takers. There were, there were four individuals who had a friend. And their friend was paralyzed. He, he couldn't walk. And the, the four friends heard that Jesus was in town, and they thought, wow, if we can get our friend who's paralyzed to Jesus, Jesus will heal him, he'll walk, and wow, his life will be forever changed. He'll be able to take care of his family. Man, he'll be able to enjoy fullness of life. Man, Jesus will heal him, and it'll be great. So they get their friend on a stretcher, 
And they take him to the house where Jesus is at. And when they get there, like there's so many people around the house, they can't even get close to the house, much less get to Jesus. And at this point, think about this. At this point, the four friends could have said, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. You're going to have to be paralyzed the rest of your life. We can't get to Jesus. Tough day for you. I mean, if, if they would have had a play it safe mentality, attitude, that's what they would have said. Well, too bad. Guess you're going to have to suffer this rest of your life. Wish we could have do better, but we just, we're just playing it safe. But that's not how the story ends. If, if you read the story, Mark chapter 2, these four friends get this idea. And the idea is they climb up on the roof. They rip a hole in the roof and they let their friend down to Jesus. And the scripture says that Jesus saw the faith of his friends. In other words, Jesus responded to the fact that they were risk takers. He responded to that. And as a result of that, he healed the paralyzed man. He came carried by his four friends and he left walking and dancing. Why? Because he had four friends who were risk takers, not play it safers. His life was changed. His family was changed. Talking about legacy. The story's been told for hundreds of years in Scripture. Why? Because of four men who were risk takers. Listen, you want to live life with no regrets? You want to finish well, leave a legacy? Be a risk taker. Don't you dare be a play it safer. Here's the last thing. Really quick. How do, how do we live life without regret? Live for eternity. Don't just live for the temporary. Don't just live for the here and now. Live for eternity as you lay up treasure in heaven. You know, Matthew 6, 19, 20 and 21. Jesus, Jesus gives us some great instruction about how we should live our lives and, and where we should invest. And he, and he says it like this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasury is there, your heart will be also. So according to Jesus, we don't want to get consumed with the here and now and only be investing for the here and now. Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven. Now that sounds great, but many, maybe you've asked the very question I've asked, because I've asked this actually numerous times. Jesus, you said lay up treasures in heaven. How do I do that? I mean, it sounds great, but like I can't peek into heaven and see how my investments are doing. So what does that look like? And as I was thinking about that, I thought, wow, you know, Jesus answered the question in Mark 9, 41. Mark 9, 41, Jesus said, if you give a cup of water to a child that doesn't go unnoticed by the father. And that got me to thinking, I thought, wow, heaven must have some kind of unbelievable accounting system. Like how God's keeping track of all this. Because Jesus said even the smallest act of kindness doesn't go unnoticed by the Father. In other words, I believe we lay up treasures in heaven by how we live out our relationship with God and how we invest in, how we bless, how we interact with one another. As we give a cup of cold water to a child, what we're laying up treasure in heaven. So listen, don't, don't just live your life for the here and now. You know, we get so caught up with the here and now, and we forget about eternity. And eternity's a real, eternity's a real challenge for us because we can't get our mind around eternity because it's like forever and ever 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 and then like forever. 
in your life, my life is just a dot in the forever. So it's hard for us to understand eternity. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to get lost in the here and now and not live for eternity. And living for eternity, as Jesus said, is about making right investments. So I encourage you, live for eternity as you lay up treasures in heaven. You don't want to live with regret. So I, I, I think we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Or what are we not doing with our lives that, keep, that could lead us to deep regret? So thinking about your life, what are you doing or not doing that could lead to deep regret? See, life always plays in a forward direction. It, it never goes backwards. Well, we want to live well, invest well, and finish well. Live life with no regrets, too. Leave a lasting legacy. Before you put your notes up this morning, one last thing I want you to join me in, a little exercise I, I want you to do. There at the bottom of your sermon notes, would you write your full name? Bottom of your sermon, write your full name. And then right underneath that, put your date of birth, your full name, and your date of birth, then a dash, a blank with a question mark. Matter of fact, it would look like this. Obviously, it doesn't look just like this because you're not me, and you were not born on July the 1st, 1965. Uh, But your paper should look something like this. Your name your date of birth, a dash, and then a blank with a question mark. Everybody got that written down? If you think about it, you had no say at all in the date on the left. You arrived on this planet one day without being consulted ahead of time. Right or not, here you came, right? Um, You didn't get to choose your parents. You, you didn't get to choose your birthplace. You, you didn't get to choose your, your DNA. You, you didn't get to choose your family order. All of these things were, were chosen for you. You were made the bearer of a human soul created in the image of God, destined for eternal existence. And one day, one day the question mark on the right, if we can go back to that slide, one day the question mark on the right It's going to be filled with a date as well. The date of your death. And you really, if you think about it, you really don't have much control over that date either. Um, I think it's one of the things that gives us urgency in life is we know, we all know that we're going to die someday. We just don't know what that day is. And so, you know, it, it kind of helps us stay focused. So the day of your birth, the day of your death, you really don't have much choice in either one of those dates. But in, those, in between those two dates, and here's the question, is the dash. What are you going to do with your dash? Because the life you're living right now, this time right now, is all about your dash. You have your date of birth. One of these days, you're going to have your, your date of death. Right now, what do you have? You have your dash. Let me ask you this question. What are you going to do with your dash? What will be the statement of your dash? What will be the legacy of your dash? What will be the impact of your dash? Listen, you don't want to come to your dying day and have a life of regret. Don't do that. You want to live your dash in such of a way 
that it leaves a, a lasting legacy. You want to live your dash in such a way that it impacts generations. So again, here's the question. And I think it's a question that every one of us has to wrestle with. What are you going to do with your dash? King Jehoram, he didn't use his dash well. He died to no one's regret. What are you going to do with your dash? How will it be defined? You pray with me. Lord, I thank you this morning for the life that you've given us, the physical life that we have, the spiritual life that we enjoy by your grace. Lord, the eternal life that's before us someday. Lord, what we have this morning is the blessing of the day of our birth. Lord, we know that someday, if you don't return, we're going to have the day of our death. Lord, what we have now is this dash, this time that we're living in. And Lord, the reality, as I said earlier, Lord, we, we don't have a rewind button that we can push and kind of live life over. Lord, we have one swing at this thing, one go at it. And Lord, my, my prayer this morning is for myself as well as all of my friends, for everyone in the room today. Lord, we're all in the middle of our dash. We've had our date of birth. What's ahead of us at some point is our date of death. Lord, we have this dash. God, we want to honor you with our dash. We want to impact children, grandchildren, generations to come with our dash. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us do it well. Holy Spirit, help us see what matters most in life and arrange our lives around it so we don't come to the end of our days and say, Oh, I wish I would have... I wish I would have lived out that dream. I wish I would have spent more time with family. I wish I would have shared Jesus with my neighbors. Lord, when it's all over, we we can't go back. We've been given this dash. Holy Spirit, help us arrange our lives around what matters most, that we might live well, lead well, finish well, and leave a lasting legacy. Holy Spirit, help us to that end because this is the reality Lord and you know it oh we get so distracted so many things pulling at our attention so many things that's that's deceiving that's misleading and we can easily be swayed and we forget about the dash Holy Spirit help us keep that in the forefront of our minds may we live well in this dash that you've given us we need help this morning Holy Spirit we recognize that So we invite you to guide us, to convict us, to correct us, to keep us on track that we might live well and finish well. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.